0: He just shoved me out of his office, out of his shop. He just held me from my this thing and just pushed me. Never do business with friends and family. There are deliverables. You can't go to your brother or your best friend and tell them, I need it today, no matter what, right? The consumer has evolved. The consumption habits have evolved. But there, are, there has not been enough disruption from the supply side. Understanding the consumer and really knowing what they want before anybody else does is one of the biggest aspects of direct-to-consumer. Yes, it's a distribution channel, but this is, you know, it starts there. Generating cash is very difficult online. And you can generate little cash, but generating tons of cash online is, is
1: difficult. From Wine Studio, you are listening to The Inspiring Talk, a show where I bring the conversations with today's most successful and inspiring personalities to help you take your life, business and career to the next level. I'm Bijagotham and in today's episode, I chat with Bharat Sethi, founder and CEO of Rage Coffee one of the leading coffee brands in the country. Bharat is a serial entrepreneur. He has built two businesses before starting Raised Coffee in 2018. He's an angel investor who has invested in several early stage startups. In this episode, Bharat talks about some of the challenging moments from his early days at Raise Coffee. He shares his insights on building a direct-to-consumer brand. And also, we talk about the hustle culture and why Bharat thinks The idea of following your passion is a broken advice. There's a lot that you can learn in this episode about entrepreneurship, about hustle mindset and so on and so forth. Let's dive in. Varath, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank
0: you, Bujai, for having me.
1: Varath, I want to straight jump into this. When I started my own company, one of the biggest thing that I needed to unlearn was I always thought whenever I'm going to build a company, it's going to be family, it's going to be you know people where I'm going to be treating them as a family members and stuff like that. And then soon I realized that when, when you treat somebody as a family, that means when you have somebody at your home, you have to deal with them no matter who they are, even if you like them, if, even if you don't like them, whatever that is, you have to accept them. And then I, what I needed to unlearn was not treat as family members, but as sports team mentality where in a sport team, there's a camaraderie, there is a you know, support, brotherhood. And at the same time, if you are not able to perform, then you, know, you don't make it to the final team, right? So you know, that was the biggest thing that it took me a while to unlearn in my own journey. So is there anything that you needed to unlearn when you were starting Rage Coffee, particularly because we're going to be focusing a lot on the D2C brand and uh, you know, business on this episode?
0: So Vijay, I have a simple rule: never do business with friends and family, you know on the contrary, because I feel uh, you' absolutely nailed it on the head you know it's a mission when you're working in a company or when you're starting up. I also was of the same opinion when I started back at a very young age you know more than a decade back, and for me, I thought that you know everybody's going to enjoy have fun, but immediately you realize that you know it's not like that because there are deliverables you can't go to your brother or your best friend and tell them I need it today no matter what right or there are no d- deadlines or any lifting to be done so it's definitely the opposite of a family it's not about you know when when you work in a startup or uh, when you work in any company you are either highly involved or averagely or you know moderately involved in that setup uh, or you're not involved at all when you're highly involved there are a certain set of Responsibilities and accountability that somebody has to hold. The right comparison would be, you know, a mission. A mission could be any uh, number of people coming together to achieve a certain objective. It could be something to do with a project. Uh, You know, it could be something to do with a startup or a sports team. So there were many, many learnings that I had over this time period. I, I was a sports person throughout my school life and you know sports is like my first love and football specifically but I tend to you know spend a lot of time outdoors so I feel like the sense of mm, healthy competition uh, this sense of the feeling of defeat uh, and then the feeling of winning is something that is very intrinsic to being being a sports person
1: just being a sports person. Yeah,
0: and, and mm. that actually actually goes on with everything in life, I feel. You know, not just the startup. It's if, if somebody has, while growing up or has been attached with any kind of sport, uh, the journey is very similar. You have to train, you have to train really hard. There's a lot of, you don't win always. There are bad phases, there are good times. And it's all about the art, you know, the skill. Once you get to know the nuances, you know, when you get to know the skill really, when when you uh, get very skilled at a particular sport, you are able to then do things which many, many other people can't. And to you, then it starts coming very naturally.
1: So tell me something, Bharat, you mentioned that you were, you were into football when you were like growing up and uh, you were captain of a football team and you were also head boy. And I was like head boy of my school as well. And I see... Taking those leadership initiatives at my during my school and even the college immensely has immensely helped me in becoming in, in my own leadership journey or like leading the team and stuff like that. How do you think that the whole phase of your school and college time, sort of leading things, helped you develop those leadership skills? Um, you know that you have today.
0: There are two things to it. One one is that it was uh, you know came quite naturally to me naturally to me. So it it wasn't as if it was being forced upon by somebody. I naturally wanted to, you know, be in athletics. And I collected over 20, 25 medals during my school time. So being fit was not the agenda then. I mean, I did not play sports to be fit. Uh, I played sports for the adrenaline of it, right? For the kick of it, for the competition of it. So for me, it was quite natural. That's the first part, right? But then once you get into it, I think it builds character and that is, you know, the underlying current of everything you do after you leave your school and college. It's character, right? It's ethics. It's the spirit of competition. You know, it's camaraderie. It's being able to lead a team by, uh, by building a culture of mutual trust and respect. So there are many basics to what you would learn uh, on a badminton court or a you know, tennis court or a football field or in a squash drink or something like that. So once your character is built, once you understand that you know you will not win every time, but the but the path to uh, glory, the path to uh, success lies in this training and in this wins and this loses, uh losses rather. So I feel that it's it's really about that. To me, I think uh, the journey. You learn about the journey of, you know, becoming better uh, at your own skill set.
1: So Bharat, you, you know, had your business before Raise Coffee and it was mostly the online uh, business that you had. The, and, and after that, you, you know, decided to sort of started Raise Coffee back in 2018, which is a D2C uh, brand, right? Uh, so what was that mindset shift that you, that you sort of had to go through? To from like just an online business to now, you know, thinking of starting a two D two D2C business. And the reason I ask this question is, I'm sure there are so many people who are listening to this podcast thinking of maybe getting into, getting into D2C business and start their own brand, which can also help them sort of, you know, get into that mindset of understanding, like what kind of mindset should I really have if I want to start something like this?
0: You know, I started up very, very young uh, and I was very fascinated by entrepreneurship, even when you know I was in school as a 16-year-old. I started trading online. So for me, I feel that the point in my life when I start with I was starting rage, I had accumulated so much of knowledge, so much of failures, so many things that I should not be doing more than what I should be doing. So much of those experiences, so much of those connections with people and understanding very up close about how businesses are truly, how large legacy businesses, you know, uh, that survive the test of time, how they truly build. And my aspirations had changed in five, seven years of uh, running my previous companies. my aspirations had become very different. So I started Rage simply because of all of those learnings kind of came together and i saw gaps and you know i saw opportunities in this space and i saw that there are there is checklist that i had you know there was an entire model that i made around what i need to be doing and uh, what all will contribute to uh, success in this field so you know direct to consumer to me is a mindset it's very simple you know and that and that mindset is unlocked by the power of data uh, that you have when you build something online because you are able to, you know, have, uh, you're able to be a very close spectator of your customer's journey. So much so close that you actually can know what you're doing, how they're doing, what kind of shopping habits they have, what, what kind of other products they're buying, and so on and so forth. So many of these uh, very nuanced, uh, you know, details about your customer. And to me, that was very powerful because the reason why most of the companies and brands have not been succeeding in the last uh, two decades or so has been this entire disruption that has been bought by the consumption habits that have changed. The consumer has evolved, the consumption habits have evolved, but there, are, there has not been enough disruption from the supply side. So, understanding the consumer and really knowing what they want before anybody else does is one of the biggest aspects of direct to consumer. Yes, it's a distribution channel. But this is, you know, it starts there. Uh, It is much beyond, uh, you know, direct-to-consumer just being a distribution channel. Direct-to-consumer is all about owning the customer in in a positive way, knowing, predicting what they would like to have, predicting their buying habits, buying patterns, being able to control the journey, not just on the point when they're buying it, but in the point when they're actually enjoying it, using that product, utilizing that service. And the ability to just build a brand online has been phenomenal, right? The ability to just influence the customer behavior online and change that behavior online. To me, all of this was very powerful, but it did not come to me as this one big lightning strike. I, I was seeing it, you know, during my years when I started up in 2011 to 2018, those seven years, I, I was seeing this very closely. Um, you know, my first company also was an e-commerce venture, but it was a direct-to-consumer brand because we sold branded products. Uh, we were not trading online. So D2C was not even a term back then, but what what is D2C, right? Then all of this combined together, and then you are able to sell a story, sell a commitment to the consumer, and uh, make sure that that you, as a brand you stick to that commitment and that. Generates loyalty, and that generates trust, and eventually, uh, that also once it reaches a critical mass, you're able to then you know uh, build something that can survive the test of time.
1: Absolutely, and also like you know, for the people who who are listening to this and might be thinking that hey, you know what, I have this this idea, and maybe they're just living in their own sort of cocoon, saying that this is something that nobody might have done, or maybe just not going out and seeing what's happening in the market and stuff like that. Like you said, one of the things, biggest thing, is to understand customers and seeing like what they really need and what they really want so what are a few you know sort of skills that people can look at developing or maybe like the biggest mindset shift that they need to have about building online because a lot of people think that hey you know what I'm gonna start my business when I have when somebody is willing to give money to my idea right and I think uh, people or investors throwing money on the idea I think that's um, that's not the case, which was happening a couple of years back. So, for the people who are in that phase of like idea, how do you sort of you know suggest that? What are the few things that you would suggest them?
0: Well, it's a loaded question. Actually, there are too many things that came to my mind when you were stating this point about there was money in the market and there is little or less money today. Uh, see, in India, I feel we're just at the tip of the iceberg today when it came when it comes to fundraising and funding. If you look at the data less than 0.5% of the businesses are actually able to raise money even when you're peaking, you know. So the potential of India's startup ecosystem is tremendous. We're just at the beginning point of it. So any kind of capital, I feel, is less capital today, you know, and I foresee it happening for the next two or three years. Yes, there's late-stage capital, there's early-stage and so on and so forth. Early-stage capital, I, I see that, that there's a dearth of, early stage capital, even today, and I think it will remain for the next couple of years as well. So, so capital is one aspect, but successful. So now to the idea of what they can maybe, you know, how to navigate this part, path early on. The first thing is be true to yourself. I mean, you're building a business. So build the business with the mindset of building a business rather than raising capital, because that mindset is not going to be long-lived because, as I mentioned, right, the odds are against uh, somebody starting up anywhere and then the odds of raising capital are. I mean, if you do the math on paper, it just doesn't make sense. So why not build something for yourself and for your uh, needs and for your own dreams? Uh, investors will find you. If you're doing something fantastic, investors will definitely find you or at the right time, when you reach out to them, they will also invest in you. Some folks are in the ecosystem on uh, so on and so forth. Um, and they're working on truly disruptive products. So they're able to raise capital. But most entrepreneurs or most business people starting up early will not be able to attract early stage capital in India today. That's the hard reality. So build the business following the basics of building a business, right? Now, specifically to your point about direct-to-consumer and how somebody can navigate some of some of the pitfalls of The D2C business, right? So in common understanding, the first thing that everybody will tell you about D2C is, you know, you are able to go over and above the middleman. So you're able to build something which, uh, you know, you're going direct to consumer, basically. That's the whole point. But then the entire trade network that you would have rather gone through takes a certain percentage of your business for whatever reason, right? Depending on the category because they're helping you supply stock to the end customer or able to sell sell that stock to the end customer in because they have the uh, you know traction they have the customer base present there the idea being that uh, that trade margin that you would traditionally giving to a, a wholesaler or a, a super stockist or a distributor and retailer that is not going away because that rate margin you're now giving for acquisition online to Facebook and to Instagram and all these Google and all these other you know, players. Um, and in fact, in fact, it might be much more expensive. So most people think that uh, they can just put up a shop and then they can get 10, 15 customers or they can just start an Amazon store and then they will be able to. So I I, I see that as the biggest drawback is that a lot of Young entrepreneurs and even just people starting up, even with experience, they're not doing enough homework before starting up. So this is the second pitfall, right? Generating cash is very difficult online. And you can generate little cash, but generating tons of cash online is is difficult. It takes time. You you need to do a lot of things right to be able to do that. Um, So you need to be in this journey for the right reasons. And uh, the third thing would be, you know, most people, I think another pitfall is that they like to do me too products and me too marketing styles and me too, right? So whatever has been working in their category or whatever they want to do, they will try to replicate it. Whereas the the general rule of online businesses is that the, the cost of switching is very, very low. So for you to be able to build a brand reputation online and build that brand uh, loyalty online, it is a much, much difficult task than you opening a store and doing that uh, or you opening a chain of stores uh, because the conversion rates and so on and so forth, there is proximity to the customer that will work out in your favor if you do that. So these three, four things are there that I can tell you. Cash is king. Uh, do it for the right reasons. Do your homework before you start up. You should be able to in the B plan that you make, you should be able to generate cash right off the bat, because there will be many unknowns that will take away that cash anyways. So those are some of the things. And you know, work on significantly and substantially differentiated products, because if you're trying to replicate someone else's success, most probably you will not be able to do that, because that's the rule of the game. Capital here attracts people who have more capital. That's the it works
1: and i'm sure the journey for the past almost four years of building raised coffee I'm, i'm i'm assuming the first year must have been the most difficult phase in the entire process so can you take us through some of the really challenging phase of building raised coffee and you know how did you sort of navigate through it and maybe a few lessons that you have learned there
0: um, you know, it's never a difficult decision. No matter at what stage and what uh, how much capital you have, it's it's never a difficult. It's never an easy decision. Rather to start up and doing it the third time. You know, like me, I don't know what got me through because to really think of it now, there were so many bets I made during that time. Two thousand seventeen end is when I decided to do something fresh, and you know, it's it's the euphoria of starting up is. A lot, right? The initial first couple of months are like, wow, you know, you're starting up again, Um and but reality hits you hard soon. It's, it doesn't take too long because you know you're without money and you're without salary or you without you without a safety net, and you don't know how long that safety net will be away. How how far are you away from the shore? You don't know that, and the consumers are, you know, I I, I look at the market as unforgiving. I mean, nobody cares if this product is from x company or you know this corporate or that person the consumer really just cares about their needs at the right price point so in my case you know will you will i be able to see success again you know that question can keep on becoming more and more difficult to answer sometimes so uh, the first thing is the mindset right you have to have an extremely hard uh, mindset where you are able to tell yourself, not anybody else, but tell yourself that this is going to work out every day, right? This is going to work out and I'm on the right path. Um, and you keep doing, getting those small, small, small wins which make you feel that you know, you're know you on the right path and you're on the right track. Everything else is on the sidelines, right? Whatever efforts you're putting in, that's everyday job, right? Uh, building the product, understanding the consumer psychology. I mean, you're making 15, 20 decisions in a day, like important decisions when you start up. Like when you are running a company, you would make maybe one or two important decisions a day, which can make or break business. When you're starting out, you're making so many so many important decisions on a daily basis. It can get to you, especially if you're very serious about building that business, about your life, you know, about how, how much of an impact you want to make. Is your livelihood going to depend on it or not? So I think that it, it's, it's never easy. I remember so many incidents when I almost gave up. Right When I was starting up in the first first couple of months.
1: Varat, I want you to share like those moments where you felt that, you know, I just want to shut all of this down and like give up on this. Take us through that moment because now all we get to hear from the entrepreneurs is the success story. But a lot of people miss on those moments where, you know, you feel heavy hearted, where you feel like, is it all even worth it? Should I even continue doing this? Is it even making any difference? Like, you know, tell us, take us through that phase. And then also tell us how did you sort of navigate the emotional side of it?
0: I think there are many incidents. Some of the incidents that come to my mind more often than the others, uh, I can share those. One of the incidents that became, um, you know, my driving force was, you know, when you're building the product in that phase, the this stakeholder management is very critical, right? Who are you going to work with? Um, because you, you, you're you doing something that has never been done before. You are creating something out of the blue in your own way. You know, you're not inventing, you know, something to treat cancer, for example. But I'm just saying that in your own way, you're doing something that is, that is very significant uh, of sorts. So there was a time when I, I was going repeatedly to meet some vendors and it was a hot, hot, you know, I think it was June of 2018 and my car broke down multiple times, but one day my car broke down and uh, it was like really, really hot in the middle of the road and it's like, it's it's one of those old Delhi roads, where it's super chaotic and I literally just pros in my car because it was so chaotic outside uh, that I could not have. But I had to go and meet this guy. And I don't know what happened or what stuck to me. I just switched off the ignition and left the car there and started walking. And to me, that was, uh, you know, quite shocking of my own behavior because I would never do it. But I had become so rough, you know, and I had become so... Just just sad that way that I just left my car there and just tried to walk. There was one time when I was sitting with a, with a manufacturer and I was trying to work out something with them. And I was going, again, I was pestering them, if I have to be honest with you. And, you know, he just shoved me out of his office, out of his shop, you know, in Tilak Bazaar in, uh, in, in Old Delhi. Um, it's one of the, I think, the biggest wholesale market of India. And so they have like tens of customers howling at them and he just he just held me from my this thing and just pushed me They just just go out <laughs> there, were, there were many such incidents Which really one one time I was uh, trying to get some packaging things done and uh, somebody wait, make, made me wait for one and a half hours in a dingy office that's so, your ego, right? It has to be completely out of the you know room because he made me wait for one and a half hours and then right in front of me, walked out. you know there were many such things there were many not just one yeah so one.
1: you know when something like this you know happened uh, but a lot of people would sort of, you know, go back home and then maybe spend time with themselves and start questioning their own ability, maybe question, you know, start questioning their own idea and stuff like that. So what is your sort of go to maybe a practice or a process to sort of come back to your center, come back to your goal and still not get devoted or distracted or discouraged with events like this? How do you like sort of let That go and still continue building, continue doing what you're doing?
0: I think the two, three things. I think number one is being true to yourself, being honest with your own self. Do you believe this will work? Do you believe enough in this mission? Do you believe and are you getting the right signals that this is something that is going to match your expectations? I think that inner voice is super important. But that's again it's you're finding it, you're searching for it, right, so it could be wrong many times I think the the in those, in that phase when you're seeking validation, you could have moments when you, when your inner voice is actually not giving you the right messaging anyways. so to me, it is also when somebody says no," when somebody says in something that I truly believe in, obviously not not when I'm sitting and brainstorming with somebody, right, but when I truly believe in something and somebody stays. No, or somebody rejects the idea. I actually, it's my fuel since uh, a long time. To prove somebody wrong is is one of the biggest wins that I feel you know that that one can have in in life. Again, we're talking in a very positive context. To be able to prove that their idea of something was not uh, correct and yours was which might make you a misfit or a rebel is truly powerful. And it really, if you are guided in the right direction, it can really humble you because then you are able to over time, able to listen to your gut. And that unlocks so many powers from an entrepreneur, right? Because so many times there is decision fatigue. I mean, you don't know yourself what to do and you have to listen to something that is beyond your own imagination, which is your instinct. And you the more you can make your instinct uh, uh, more of a science than just art, that also is, you know, for me, it's work in progress. But if you're able to do that, the chances of your, and the probability of you winning uh, in small tasks, in bigger tasks, in bigger in endeavors, just increases.
1: That was really great. Um, so if you were to pick of so many traits that you have, if you we were to pick like, hey, you know what, I think this one trait or maybe this one sort of quality that probably has helped me in my business, in the different businesses that I have built. You know, if there is one thing that I had to pick from so many things, then what would that be? The trait or the quality or something that, you know, you, you, you were to, let's say, attribute your success to. It's
0: hard to actually just pinpoint one because because it's for me also the evolution has been there. When I started up, you know, when I was a kid and I started up, it was just hustle. I mean, even going in the wrong direction, that's hustle. You know, so just hard work and hustle. In the middle phase of my journey, I think it was absorbing more than doing, just sitting there and soaking information, soaking and trying to channelize my own energy in the right way. I think now it's empathy. Today it's just the ability to see that my role is to empathize with my team members, my investors, my customers, my vendors, and the business, right? Because business is a, you know, I see it as a living being. There's so many, so many things that, you know, I'm driving it, but then I'm not the only one. So there's so many, you know, nuances to the business. And it can take so many different shapes and forms depending on how you what direction you want to give it Uh like you would do with a baby so there's 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 a lot to do with that but i think it's right now it would be just empathy
1: so what do you struggle with asking people when you need help did you hesitate in the beginning or have you been always good at asking going and you know because what i really feel is if you really When you go and ask somebody to help, you have to be like really, really humble. You have to be willing and open in, you know, like you said, you know, in listening, no is an answer. At the same time, it's very, uh, you know, you you need to be humble to sort of go and you can't let your ego come in the way, right? So did you struggle with asking or what's, how do you think that the one quality can probably help entrepreneurs? Because I feel a lot of us, you know, don't even ask.
0: Asking for help? Is not the most uh, interesting quality I have. I'll be very honest with you. I also don't ask enough for help. Than I than I could, for example, just call up somebody and you know ask somebody you know why don't you connect me with this person? But I'll give you an honest picture of this, the way I look at it, and depending on my own personality, right? So for me, I would rather go and watch somebody or read about somebody very specifically when I see, want to seek help, rather than you know, going to you know somebody because I have access to them. Just because I have I have access to somebody, I will not necessarily want to know their perspective, even though they could have add value. So if I want to learn about game theory, I will go and you know I will not go to my economics professor. I will go and find the best person who knows the most about it, and then try to soak in information from them. If I need to, you know. Learn about internet generally when I started up, or to learn about SEO. I read the the Google Handbook. So the power of internet, right? The access to knowledge information is so much so today that I don't think any topic is left. Whatever you want to learn, however you want to seek help, thinks you can do it. And that's my worldview of it. Could be a very personal perspective, but I love to help wherever I can, however much I can. So if somebody approaches me, I, I. Try to dedicate. I don't do enough. Uh, definitely not enough. But I try to take out some time and you know spend time in helping them. But yeah, you know, to give you some perspective on this, my entire fundraising that happened in the early years has been through connects and networking. And you could say that it was asking for help, but I never asked for help as in just help me. But it was something much bigger. I was giving them in return, which was a piece of my company.
1: So now that we're talking about networking right uh, and one of the great perspectives that I have sort of heard on the networking is networking is like just collecting dots so when the time is right then you can actually connect dots and for you to be able to connect enough dots you need to first collect enough dots like if you're not if you haven't collected enough dots then you know you won't be able to connect much right so is there any tips that you'd like to sort of give to people on networking because people sort of can go to events and say hi and, you know, meet people and maybe exchange cards and stuff like that. But what do you think has really helped you maybe build a little deeper connection than just exchanging cards and, you know, numbers and saying that, hey, you know what, we'll, we'll talk about it.
0: To me, it's quite simple. Uh, number one is value addition. Can I add some value to individual's life? And can they add value to my life as well? So I look it at it that way. Um, I'll be very honest with you, if I am the only one adding value, uh, then I, I don't have the time today, honestly. I can do it, but it won't be very qualitative. If Somebody, so many people want, they you know they come to me with, take 2%, take 1% equity, take some sweat equity and guide us and mentor us. I said, I'll give you 15 minutes. But I'm very, very busy building my brand. And I will not do any justice if I take that 1% of your company, 2% of the company if i have seriously interested in it i would spend a lot more of my time to make sure that this 1% becomes massive so if value addition is not there the point of networking that's that's one thing the second is i also network with people to be friends with them for example not today not tomorrow maybe 5 years down the line you know there is something that we can that's a different objective though so i think the i am very clear when i'm networking with somebody the idea is not to be frivolous about it. That, hey, just let's exchange numbers. And I don't know anything about you. I don't know why I'm exchanging numbers. What am I doing? So it's, it's very contextual. Uh, like everything I do in life, it's sharply targeted. It's not like a paint and pray approach. I don't do that. That's not my habit.
1: So, Bharat, you, know, you started really early in your life. And by this time, you've now built three companies and i see this immense pressure that's been that's being put on really you know young people to sort of you know hustle and stuff like that where people are at 20s are feeling that they don't really have time so what would be your suggestion or what what is your thought around the whole hustle culture make it big as soon as possible um kind of a narrative that 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 is out there
0: hustle culture if somebody is you know forcing upon you or if you get to know and this is very contextual again but if you get to know about the hustle culture and the culture of hustle is an aspiration for somebody then i don't think there is a fit there because people who actually hustle just love the hustle so much so that it's not something that they're doing because somebody else is telling them or they read something or this talk video this is my opinion and this is also my reading of most people who love to hustle it's not a discussion for them. It's not a point for them. They will not you know boast about it. so the reality is far away from what we see on social media and I can tell you about myself. I never started up because somebody else wanted me to start up or I read about it or somebody. I honestly just felt that it is going to be the right thing for me to do, and I'm ready to fail. I'm ready to learn I'm ready to fail I'm ready to I had nothing to lose back then so So I feel uh, I don't either promote it or I don't take it away from people who love to hustle also. So I think it's mostly, you know, your own sense of doing things. And if you are working 12 hours a day in your 20s, I don't see a problem with that.
1: Mm. So when you look back at your own life um, and say that if you're starting this all over again, what are those three things that you would have probably done differently, or maybe you wish you had learned or you have known earlier?
0: I think one of the things would be to keep your ears open and really analyze and process the noise around you. Sometimes it can be very beneficial as well, and processing it is the creativity that one can have as an artist or an entrepreneur. Another thing would be to be very insightful you know because i feel most people who end up doing differentiated you know activities in any field there's something that they know something about that industry or that area that others just cannot cannot see it to to them it's it's not there so i feel in being insightful and then and then when you're insightful you're able to predict the macros a lot The, the ability to predict where something would be going in five, seven, ten years is very, very powerful, and that can be done through a mix of data, experiences, insights, uh, and your instinct.
1: What is the number one wrong belief about yourself that you held for the longest period of your time? Period of the time?
0: Yeah, I think I had the biggest misconception that why you know comparing myself to the first few years of my career to now, I think my biggest uh, notion about running a business and about myself was that you have to control people to get great outputs from them. I'll say just control. I I think not just control people, but just control the outcome. And to my understanding, great things have happened when I've given up control and I've let go of control. And this was very powerful for me because when I was starting rage, uh, I had to be in control, right? Because you have to. But but the slow passing over over of that control and understanding, you know, because for me it was not that easy because I lo- I loved to be in control uh, of my situations, my surroundings, and then just the understanding that I cannot control a lot of these things, and then I cannot also control many of the pieces of my business. So I today maximize only a couple of pieces, right? Not trying to maximize or rather optimize 10,000 pieces. Um, and it has turned out to be a blessing.
1: Mm. So what is the one most commonly shared advice about entrepreneurship, which you think is rubbish, which you think is like really, really a bad piece of advice that, that, is, uh, that people can give out to someone?
0: I think go after your passion. It's good to be, a you know, like a solopreneur when you follow your passion. It's, it's, it can be great uh, if you want to be your own boss. That's the easy way, right? So if you want to be a freelancer or a solopreneur, if you want to do something with two or three people around you, I mean, passion will really help you. But but once you really start to go in the role of running a company, the entire baggage that comes with running a business, I mean, you have to, it takes away a lot from you and your creativity, your passion just goes for a toss. I mean, you could be passionate about being your own boss or being autonomous, but I think in most cases, people think that, hey, I'm passionate about shoes. Let me start something with shoes. I'm passionate about alcohol. Let me start an alcohol brand. Uh, I'm passionate about, you know, technology. Let me start a technology services business. It is, it is a lot to, it can work, but uh, in this advice, I think with, with entrepreneurs who really crack it and with founders who really make it big, they marry passion with a lot more, you know, things like opportunity, market size, skills of their co-founders and stuff like that.
1: What is the one piece of advice that stuck with you for a really, really long time?
0: I think what has stuck with me is the the importance of your Team, I spend way more time in making sure that my team is happy. You know, my team is getting all the resources. My mem, my all my colleagues, my members are deriving what they need out of this of the of the role that they're in. Just the value of the CEO or the founders, uh, you know, spending time with their team members. It has been extremely powerful, and it really works. It's something that I. I mean, just giving back, make, making sure that you do enough for your team members, be it their, uh, be it the role that they're in, be it the opportunities that you're giving them, be it the resources that are at their disposal uh, to make the impact that, you know, the company wants. So, so I think really team is what one should really focus on.
1: Super. This has been such a great conversation, Bharat. Thank you so much for being guest on the podcast.
0: Thank you, Bhuji. It was a pleasure talking to you.
1: Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Inspiring Talk podcast. I hope you found a lot of value in this episode. We have the Inspiring Talk community on Telegram. This is where you get to interact with me and other listeners of this podcast. Also, I share a ton of content there, like the book that I'm reading, the content that I'm consuming, podcasts that I'm listening, and so on. And also, you can share your feedback on making this show better on the community. I'll put the link in the description of this episode. I would love to see you on the Inspiring Talk community on Telegram. You can find all the links on show notes page of this episode at theinspiringtalk.com forward slash 132 132 Don't forget to share this episode as your Instagram story and tag me at the rate business peaks Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you in the next. Now, go out there and do something inspired